This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> Ew, it's fun. <laughs> it's that time again with your not-so-friendly neighborhood video store clerks. Rotten Roger DeMarco, and... Well, you throw the S on there, but I thought we established last time. I'm not a video store clerk. I know, you're a robot, but either way, people... Either way, I'm honorary. I yeah. work in the video store. That's right, you work for the video store. Excuse you? That's right. You're declaring ownership of me. I don't think I like this. Do the things. <laughs> Do the things. Do all the things. Yes. Make my breakfast. Kill these intruders. <laughs> Spoilers. My breakfast is a super sweet protein shake. That's pretty easy. These protein shakes brought to you by... Ice juice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think that's who who provides them. Oh, no. These protein shakes are brought to you by Synthesix. Go ahead and sponsor sponsor us. Yes, please. Sponsor. Hey, that was serendipity. Synchronicity, if you will. I was editing a podcast earlier today, and uh, that was kind of the whole gist of it. I kept trying to overstep you and just like say the things you were going to say. It's pretty fucking funny. If you want to take a listen to that, it was uploaded... When was it uploaded? I think it was uploaded in August. Never. Yeah, it's uploaded in August on our uh, Patreon. You should all go support us there for a dollar. Yeah, a dollar will get you access to uh, a lot of really cool stuff on there. I think if Patrick Warburton told them to subscribe, they would. What's Patrick Warburton sound like? That's a good question. I don't know. I can't do it. Hey, podcast listeners, if you want to head over to patreon.com forward slash 3P, that'd be great. Super good. I love it. Hey, Peter. Uh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash 3P. That's a little bit John Mulaney-y. That was pretty good, though. I liked it. Um, you get access to these podcasts about a week or so early, plus you get access to the behind-the-scenes podcast that we do there. Podcast, 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 podcast. Podcast. Podcast, podcast. The uh, 3B podcast. Which, apparently, I take charge on those. I kind of... Those are my podcasts. Those are your baby. I'm an asshole on them. It's fucking (laughs) hilarious. Remix runs the Patreon. For the people who are new to this podcast, if you're discovering us via podcast app, there are a small handful of us involved in the creation of the content. Um, We have to delegate certain tasks, and Remix steps in... Puts his best foot forward, runs the Patreon, takes care of everybody, uh, makes sure they get their content on a timely fashion, and also uh, does the upkeep and the moderation of our Discord, as well as all of our live streams, all of the uh, beep boop bops of the live streams. So he is uh, he is our young Jamie to our Joe Rogan, if you would. I wear too many hats. I refuse to accept all the blame for the things that go wrong in these audio <laughs> podcasts. I'm over here looking at the waveforms, and it's it's like three times bigger than it was during the test. Oh, no. Look at that shit. Do you want me to tweak a little nipple? Nah, leave the nips. Okay. It's Um, all you, too. Yeah. So, it is another bi-weekly podcast, which we are still working out the kinks of how we... Sorry. This podcast is kinky. Yes. It's got a lot of kinks. Uh, Some people like urine on their face. I'm sorry. Where the fuck? I, I don't know. You said kinks. We're going that direction. But um, so we're working out the format of the podcast. And unfortunately, Mr. Evil Dead Inks could not be with us today, but he will join us via 
super high-tech satellite later for a segment. Yeah, except for how the fuck are we going to listen to that while the podcast is going? I'm not sure. That's on you. That's why I didn't want to do it. <laughs> we'll just remote... Uh, I'll just plug it in there and just let it loop. Let it let it loop. Um, you want to tr- t- test that on the fly? No, not yet. On these podcasts, every other week, we're going to cover a film, and we have a very specific format that we're going to attempt to stick to. So this week... I put Mr. Remix in charge of picking the movie that we were going to cover. And drumroll, please. Mr. Remix, what did you pick? Adam Green's Frozen. From 2010. Frozen. From his company, Aeriscope. Yes. Uh, When you texted me that that's the movie you wanted to cover or Snapchatted me, one or the other, maybe you did both, uh, I literally jumped up in the air and I was... If someone was filming it, they would have freeze-framed it. It would have been perfect. Yeah! Because... Um, I love this movie. I love Adam Green. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get real loud real quick. If you don't like Adam Green, you can just unsubscribe to this motherfucking podcast. No, you right can't. Now. <laughs> Everybody has their own opinions. Your opinions mean shit if you don't like Adam Green. <laughs> oh that's mean shit. I put the fucking kibosh on the shit immediately. Uh, I love Adam Green. I live for this man. I would die for this man. We support everything he does. And um, I'm really glad that I got to introduce you to his body of work. And we've got to have many a conversation about Adam Green and his uh, his films. You know that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's sipping on a beverage and he's pointing at the, pointing at the screen? Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, I did that like eight times on my rewatch of this movie. Fucking Mount Holliston. Yes. Fucking side character's name is Joe fucking Lynch. Mm-hmm. Adam and Joe are sitting on the fucking thing. I'm like, holy shit. Dude, right? Yeah, they're in the back of the, yeah. I mean, I knew Kane Hodder was in the movie the first time, and so that was, like, one of the only references I got the first time around, but there were so many fucking references. They're on Mount Holliston, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, like, a love letter to himself almost? Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of his earlier films, 2010. Right. So... He's still got a long career ahead of him as long as he can kind of get back to it. Just not be depressed. Everybody struggles with depression, um, including the people in this room. The people. Oh, the people. The, the people, people in want, this room. Oh, the people <laughs> want bass. Yeah. You knew where I was going with that because I referenced that before. On you referenced the... that all the fucking time. Yeah. That's uh, Nemesis. The people want bass. That was uh, one of my first compact discs that i purchased when i had uh subs in my car when i was a wee little youngin the only nemesis i know is from resident evil yeah he's rad i was was looking around the room i was hoping i had a cd copy of that game but i don't (laughs) i don't don't think i own that in physical media form yes at, at the at the moment so what made you decide on holliston holliston or yeah sorry mount holliston what made you decide on frozen this week i was talking to one of my lady friends and she's like you always have such good taste in movies and i'm like it's roger's taste in movies (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you i'll i'll take that credit she was like i want to see a perspective film and i was like i don't know what that really means but i feel like this movie if you don't know what a perspective film is i brought over the fanatic and i brought over this movie Mm. because they were the two movies that i feel like kind of show a situation from the most real and the most grounded situation, like position possible. Right. Uh, let me stop you right there. I know on the Patreon podcast, we have covered or at least briefly discussed the fanatic. 
not to take this on too far of a sidebar before we even get started on Frozen, but the world was unkind to that movie. Unjustly so. Uh, everyone wants to cross their arms and go, well, Fred Durst directed it. And I think if you know someone with autism, if you know someone who has a mental handicap, John Travolta fucking nailed it in that movie. And it's it's difficult to watch, but not because it sucks. It's difficult to watch because it's so real. But enough of that. <laughs> it is horribly real. It is a fantastic fucking movie. I I really, really dig the fanatic. Yeah. So, uh, so this person brought up to you they wanted to see a perspective film, and you offered them up these two titles or those two titles. Yeah, and we watched Frozen, and I think we're gonna watch the fanatic next. Oh shit! But I was on the verge of Snapchatting you, like that picture that I sent you wasn't in response to what you sent me. Mm. <laughs> so. It was just what you were doing at the time. Yeah, so you're like, hey, what, po- what, what are we doing for the podcast? I was like, we're doing Frozen, obviously, because I got your message immediately. It was like, well, I'm continuing to send this snap. Right. It's a master class in filmmaking. Um, and I have some close buddies. I'm going to out them, you know. Uh, I had a buddy that I've worked with for probably off and on the past 15 years of my life. And he actually started a movie collection because of me. He would come to my house and see all of these movies. And he was like, I'm going to start doing that. And uh, he's not really a horror guy. So he would ask me occasionally what my picks were for horror films. And very early in our uh, relationship as friends, uh, I told my buddy to watch Hatchet. And he came back like with hatred in his veins and was like, this is not a good movie. This movie is fucking trash, blah, blah. And just every time I see him, he brings up hatchet is terrible, you know? And, uh, I feel like you went on a movie hall with this guy. I have done that many mm. a times. If you go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash three B video, you can find that movie hall. Video, video, video. Yeah, you, you probably can. And, um, so our tastes in horror are, are very different. You know, I feel like if you're not a, uh, if you're not a popcorn horror kind of guy, if you're if you're not uh, a person who isn't afraid to make jokes and be taken not so seriously, then Adam Green's catalog might not be for you. So he didn't like the hatchet route. And so fast forward like two, three years later, um, I purchased Frozen and I'm like, I couldn't stop screaming from the mountaintops of how good this movie was. And said friend again was like, well, I'll give this fucking director one more shot and watched frozen and hated it oh my god and i went okay so you don't like the over the top very self-aware horror comedy but then you don't like the hitchcockian master class one location like it's it's not necessarily i mean it's a horror film but it is a it's a terrible situation film. It's a terror film. It's a suspense-driven film. I don't want to call it a suspense thriller because that's how they got away with, uh, you know, giving Silence of the Lambs awards. It's not a horror movie. It's a suspense thriller. I mean, it is super suspenseful. Horror is a hard genre to define because it goes all the way from over-the-top slashers to stuff like this where it's super slow and it's just sitting in one location and kind of letting the fear envelop you actually some of the emotion and horror in this movie comes from 
spoken word mm-hmm. when she's talking about wanting to get back home to her dog. Oh, don't get me started on that. Um, did you watch the special features? Have you seen? <sighs> I did not. Uh, Adam talks about when he was casting for this movie and how Emma Bell came in and that was her like casting situation for that character. That's what he had people read was that monologue. And she murdered it so much that he was crying sitting on the other side of the table. And he knew that if he put her on camera, they would make the audience cry. And it's a, it's a, it's a whole different animal with that story because if you are a pet owner or, or, or anything, I mean, it's so relatable and sad and tragic. It's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. There's a lot of, stuff in this movie that I don't think I caught the first time around like the references but the horror from the movie coming in that situation and not just by like them sitting on the ski lift for two days I think she's on there for like two days everybody else is either on there for four hours or <laughs> a day and a half shout out to my man Kevin Ziegler's <laughs> uh, uh let me tell you this Every time I watch the movie, I do. I, same thing with you. I notice something a little bit different that I that I hadn't picked up on before. And and a lot of it isn't directly spelled out for you. So how do you feel about uh, Emma Bell and Kevin Ziegler's relationship? Where do you think, let's say they didn't die on that ski lift. Where do you think that goes or was heading? Kevin Ziegler is a blue-eyed guy? The guy who jumps. Her for, boy, yeah, her boyfriend. Oh, Dan. That was that boy she was going to marry, all right? They It didn't seem like that. They seemed like there was a little bit of roughness in there, but everybody sees relationships a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I see in uh, Midsummer. I, I, I didn't feel like the boyfriend in Midsummer was necessarily that bad. Oh, he's real bad. I mean... He's real bad, is he? Yeah, he's real bad. He has no empathy. Me, I don't either. I'm, I'm a cyborg. I know that's... A, you're, a, you're a cyborg, so obviously you can relate I don't understand human relations. <laughs> it, I'm not C-3PO. Yeah, I I see what you're saying about the, the boyfriend from Midsummer, but... The thing about it is... Watch it again. Watch it again. Yeah, I, I will need to watch it again. But when they're at the, like, place with his friends and he's eating and drinking and all that stuff... She calls. He still answers. Everybody else is like, oh, don't answer that, dude. She's just going to fucking ball at you. He answers. He leaves his friends and he goes to be with his girlfriend and comfort her. He mm-hmm. didn't want to be there because he wanted to be out with his buddies, but he knew that it was right of him to go and console his girlfriend after her entire fucking family just died. Right. He was murdered by his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for Midsommar <laughs> if you haven't seen that. Fuck you. If you haven't seen that, are you really a horror fan? I'm kidding. <laughs> no. People can have opinions. Yes. Uh, Ari Aster. <laughs> Wolf. Talented dude, uh, but that's a whole different uh, ball of wax. <laughs> now, so you said, you know, Emma Bell, she believes that's the boy she's going to marry. Um, I see it from a, a totally different perspective with Kevin. Ziegler's. I forget his cast. His character's name Dan. is Dan. I just always Dan Walker. See, I always see him as Kevin Ziegler's because he's in so many movies. It's it's tough for me to put a name on him. But he's a talented actor. Super super talented dude. Um, but I see him as like this could be the one last hurrah with you. Like I I think I'm I've had it with you. I don't. Uh, you know you butt in. You're kind of fucking up my time with my buddies. You're always negative. You always drag your feet. You always make me bring you along and make it seem like it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. 
Yeah, their their relationship doesn't feel that warm and soft necessarily throughout the right. entire thing, but he it cares about her in his dying moments. He's like, don't let her look. Don't let her... That, that's a really hard part to watch in that movie. And I f- that's another thing. I'm going to go back to my friend who did not like this movie. Um, and his argument was, you don't even see anything. It's just It's just three people sitting there crying for an hour and a half. That's why I felt like it was appropriate to call this like... A perspective piece. Right. Because it's not over-the-top horror. It gives you a look into something that could be extremely real. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there are different types of horror fans, which, uh, you know, like you said earlier, some people like that splatter. Some people like that suspense. Um, and there's nothing wrong with liking a little bit of all of it. You know, everybody has has these different tastes. But I, I feel like just dismissing this movie because it doesn't give you buckets of blood is is a sad state of affairs. I, I feel like you don't need to watch the wolves tear him apart. You need to hear it because, uh, you know, there's this age old saying, even Tom Savini says it, and he's the king of splatter where it's like, sometimes what you don't see is way worse because your brain can make it worse. You know, you're hearing the wolves growling. You're hearing him cry for his life. You're hearing coat get torn up and, and, blood be spilt and if you show it <clears throat> maybe it just doesn't have the uh it doesn't have the impact because uh it goes from being emotional to being a, a, an visceral and glory yeah and an effects spectacle of you being like oh that looked fake as fuck or oh that was super rad and gory like uh it takes it from being like uh a symphony to being like a hair be- hair metal psychological versus slashery right yeah so going back to how you say this is their last hurrah mm-hmm. like he's doing this for her and then kicking kicking her out he starts calling her pet names and she's like oh you don't normally call me pet names i could see that being like oh well i'm only doing that because i'm right next to my friend and i want to be like nah, that's that's how things are mm-hmm. but i don't know i feel like he might just be like a hard person to get through and that's like maybe the walls are cracking a little bit because they're out doing something fun and he's with a friend and they're doing something that, that they want to do even though uh lynch is like by the end of it like we didn't do what we wanted to do mm-hmm. because of her mm-hmm. yeah sure it was fun watching her fall on her ass for three hours but right i just yeah and well and then you can also argue that uh they wouldn't have even been in that situation had Two two things. They wouldn't have been in that situation had she not come because they would have got to have absolutely skied on the mountain. Two, flip side of the coin, they wouldn't have been in that situation if Lynch wasn't such a baby bitch and could share his friend with his significant other. Because if he hadn't have been like, and kind of force Kevin Ziegler to be like, yeah, we'll go hit the mountain one more time. They wouldn't have been in that situation. She didn't even want to go up the mountain that last time. <laughs> it's it's just a big old storm of people trying to save face and be like, all right, fine, I guess I'll go. And mm-hmm. all right, fine, we should go one last time because we didn't get to go do that thing. And she's like, well, I don't really want to go up there and do that because she's still learning. Right. She can't be expected to do that. And yet they do it anyway. And then him sending the flag up saying this is the last car and 
him letting them go up, even though they're not supposed to be anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's a perfect storm of things going wrong. Him yeah. leaving the controls, being replaced by someone else who clearly didn't know what was going on. Absolutely. And the other thing is uh, Dan's character. Uh, how like you're? It's perfect with you saying that they're all trying to kind of save face, and they're all kind of they're all kind of putting on these airs of of who they are. There's a lot of walls built up in in these three characters, and when the ski lift first breaks. And Dan is like, I'll just jump down. I've done it before. You know what I mean? Like, that's a prime example of a guy who ha- is w- way in, in way over his head and has never done that before. But he is like, yeah, I've done it. You know, not trying to seem cool in front of his friend. Right. And not realizing that that ground is literally frozen. Uh, call back to the title. <laughs> and I was going to say deep cut, but no, roll credits. Roll credits. That's not our thing. Yeah, we don't do that. That's uh, somebody else. Don't watch their channel, watch ours. <laughs> Don't watch their channel anyway. Yeah. Fucking master classes of advertising bullshit. <laughs> but so so again, yeah, he's saving face and he chooses to jump. And then and then the next day or maybe later, I can't exactly remember the timeline where she's like, It's all your fault he jumped. You didn't try and stop him. And he's like Oh, fucking excuse me. And he mm. fucking snaps at her and just starts berating her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynch's character is awesome. Uh, off the top of my head, I forget that actor's name. I apologize. He's a super talented actor. And he has a very unique delivery in this movie where it's like, you know, he, he plays this friend really well. But there's something in his eyes. Like, if you watch his performance and you watch, like, when... Dan is having a conversation with Emma Bell and it'll do a cutaway to Lynch and and Lynch is kind of, he's just kind of analyzing the situation. You can see at certain points, like his annoyance level raise his frustration, but all this, he smiles, you know, whenever they look at him, "Ah," you know, he's got this really unique, believable, like, God damn it, it was supposed to be me and my buddy, and now I'm the third wheel, and I have opinions, but I have to keep these opinions to myself. People don't give Adam Green enough credit. Uh, he is not just a splat stick filmmaker. He understands character development, and this movie is 90 minutes of character development. Oh, yeah, he understands character development then. Well, then why... I was going to really go off on Hatchet. There's, I have one big problem with Hatchet. It's they make the father out to be a really good guy. And then he starts fucking around on his dying wife. And I'm like, that's not color. That's not character development. <laughs> that that's, is character development. That's not character development. That is. That's a little bit of character development. And plus, you got to get the curse from somewhere. That is true. You, you remember know. the phone number of the Shannon girl? No. Eight, I, eight, no, it's 860-8730. I'm going to call her when this is done, and we're going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking movie. Frozen is really fucking good. It it went a lot faster than I thought it would. Like, I feel like for a movie of people just sitting on a ski lift, it should be super slow. But mm-hmm. it went pretty damn quick. Yeah, it's very fast-paced. But that's there's a lot of people involved in this. You know, um, the DP... That Adam uses all the time. Will Barrett. Um, he has a very unique way of shooting things. So they don't seem boring. 
Um, there's a very uh, unique editing style used in this to keep these conversations flowing, to keep the passage of time a little bit disorienting. You're watching it and you're like, you know, you, you got to wait for a character to be like, we've been up here four hours. We've been up here six hours because you have no frame of reference because they are floating in the air. You know, it's a black sky behind them. You might see some trees, you see some snow or whatever, but it's all credit to the way that it was visualized, the way it was written, the way it's edited and scored and everything. Like it's so well done that I feel like in 10 years, it probably already is being shown in film school. We didn't go to film school. That's, we always say that we don't have these accolades, but I feel like if it isn't, it should be. Like, I feel like it could be analyzed easily because all of the filmmaking choices are pretty obvious. Like Chekhov's gun style situation when they're going up the ski lift the first time it keeps looking at the actual attachment, holding it. There's so many choices that are blatantly, oh, hey, look at this thing. Look in this direction. This stuff's going to happen. It's It almost screams filmmaking one-on-one just a little bit, but... There are some editing choices that I think are a bit weird, like it'll be looking at the front of the ski lift and then it'll just kind of fade out and then fade back in to a very similar looking shot without doing a cutaway in between. I feel like if it'll work in a movie, it should work everywhere else. And I feel like I could learn a few things from the way this movie was edited, because whenever I'm editing a video or working on anything like that, I'm always afraid to do a shot like that, because as someone who knows a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. I see that and I'm like, well, you can't do that. Right. Well, I mean, it, it worked in this movie. Maybe you can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there is definitely things to be learned from this movie, even if it's not one of those master classes of cinema. Right. If it's not a Hitchcock film that needs to be overanalyzed. Right. It's such a good template for a movie. And the one thing, if you ever listen to any, um, interviews with Adam Green talking about making this film. When he pitched this idea, people were saying, well, you know, just put him on a a ski lift with a green screen in the background and, you know, save a ton of money, shoot it this way. And Adam Green was very adamant about like, no, we're going to find a mountain. We're going to put people on a ski lift and we're going to shoot it that way with real. I mean, there's real snow, but a lot of that is brought in you know but um it's really cold they're really in the air so if you have a fear of heights and you're an actor or an actress and you're on this ski lift and you have a issue with heights and you have to be suspended in the air for a 16 hour day in the cold i mean obviously you can get down when it's lunchtime or whatever but for the most part they are stuck in a ski lift for real it shows because you you could have went a super cheap route because 99% of the time it's a solid black background behind them. It would have made your DP's job a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. You could have made the mountain as pretty as you wanted. You could have put them in a much more precarious situation. You could have done so many things, but when it's so real like this, there's no way of escaping. This is the situation. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Would you, would you have preferred some in-studio work on this movie or do you think that it works the way it is do you do you think it should have been more like grandiose 
No, I don't. I think it was just fine. The one grandiose thing they do is the ice storm, which looks like shite. I'm trying to remember that exact shot. It's the very beginning when they're first caught up there. Mm. There's just a lot of horizontal white streaks. <laughs> it looks like there is stuff on set, but I don't know. It just feels a bit strange. Hmm. I could just be nitpicking it and saying it looks weird, even if it's all practical, but... I don't know. I don't, uh, like I can see the shot in my head, but I'm not, I'm not making out any details. I need to, um, I need to throw this movie back on. This is one of those movies that when you suggested we talked about, I was like, fuck, I can talk about this movie all day long. I've seen it a hundred times. Um, so I didn't necessarily revisit it. I was going to rewatch it just before you showed up, but you woke up pretty fucking early today. I'm just raring to go. You're rearing to go. Yeah. Let's get her done. Let's do some podcast work for all the people out there. Yeah, I've only seen the movie twice now, okay. but luckily it was fresh enough in my mind that I can kind of recall all the details. I had forgotten what the ending of it was mm. when I rewatched before I had rewatched it. So I remembered literally everything up until Lynch left, and then I was like. How the fuck does she get down? And then I obviously saw it. And then I was like, this is the end of the descent. This is literally the same ending, except for, spoiler alert, and that one is a dream. I fucking, Mm. I love that. Yeah, yeah. uh, Although the sequel makes it not a dream. That's dumb. We, listen here, we can disregard the descent part two because the descent part one is a fucking amazing movie. The descent part two is... Okay. Hold up. You know the film theorists, right? Matthew Patrick's uh, second channel? Personally. No, I don't at all. I I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Where uh, he does all sorts of film theories. Motherfucker went back and talked about The Descent like a month ago. Hmm. I thought that was weird as hell. (laughs) He, his theory was all about proving whether or not, proving whether or not the uh, creatures from that movie could actually exist. Spoiler alert, they can, because they're just mole people. They're albino cave hoics. That's a Ren and Stimpy reference. Deep cut. It's just so weird that he would have gone back and been like, you know what movie's popping off? The fucking Descent. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't. Right. It isn't. He made it pop off. Uh, That's what you can do when you are a proper influencer. When we talk about weird deep cut movies, uh, no one gives a shit. (laughs) Uh, We've made quite a few impressions on things. We've influenced the sales of some movies. I mean, if you look just to your left, you can see about 300 movies you've sold. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, because every time I open my mouth and blab about uh, some weird uh, off-the-beaten-track horror film, uh, that's one of the things that I love to do with you, since uh, you and I have known each other about three years, is every time I get a chance, I sit you down and I'm like, you got to see this one, because you're not necessarily a uh, a cinema collector and or uh, the biggest horror junkie out there i like to take the movies that you introduce me to and try and spread them myself if if it's one of those movies that i'm like people need to fucking see this movie like this movie i'd actually heard about back in 2011 Mm -hmm. one of my friends was talking about it in fucking high school because i was in high school back then yes one of my friends was talking about i was like that's fucking stupid (laughs) and then i watch it what is it nine years later (laughs) right i'm like 
why the fuck didn't I give this movie a chance? I want to kind of push these movies on people. One movie that I don't get to push on people is Upgrade. Mm. I've tried so many fucking times. Ah, uh, it's so good. Uh, let me... What do you think it is? Because I talked about my my other buddy who hated this movie. What do you think it is about this movie that that uh, it, it turns people off? What are what are they missing that we are picking up on? Because it's such a good movie, and it's one of those movies that small pockets of people are like, that movie is really good. I don't know what it is. I think a more obvious comparison would be. You sit down a bunch of people in front of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. You're not going to get a good response out of a lot of them. Mm. There is a very clear distinction between people who are willing to sit down and watch something that is super slow that wants you to think about what's happening versus just enjoying the popcorn factor of something like Upgrade that's popping off constantly. Constantly, yeah. There is stuff to think about in it, but with... It's disguised with action. Exactly. This movie, there is no action. It's <laughs> it's not even the anxiety or the fear about it. I hate heights. This movie doesn't get me to be like, oh, man, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about the people. Right. I'm worried about the dog. There is something that is lacking in some movies where people aren't used to thinking and worrying about the people on screen. They just right. want to see them kill a whole bunch of people. Yeah, or be killed. Yeah. Like, you get a bunch of people and they want to watch superhero movies. Those superheroes are beating the shit out of people. In in essence, they're killing a whole bunch of people. That's what people want to see. They don't want to see someone sit on a ski lift and worry about whether or not they're going to make it out. Yeah, uh, and and the suffering that's going on on the screen. Because uh, I think a lot of today's audience is all about, like, and we love the popcorn stuff as well. That's, That's like our whole our whole shtick but you like the popcorn stuff i do i love popcorn movies but at the same time there's something special about putting in a movie and and worrying or you know identifying with and worrying about the characters on screen um i hate to keep going back to that hitchcock well but a prime example, my all-time favorite Hitchcock film is Rope, and I've talked about it a number of times, and I don't know that I've had you watch it yet. I've seen a few Hitchcock movies. I don't think that Rope is one of them. Rope is kind of loosely about uh, Leopold and Loeb. And this is the one oneer, right? Right, it's a oneer. Yeah, I've seen reviews and analysis of the movie. So good. And it's one of those movies where not a lot is happening on the screen. Not a lot of action, but a lot of dialogue... And a lot of, uh, you know, tipping your hat and, or, you know, showing your hand a little bit. These guys are trying to get away with something that they've done. But they, they're so full of themselves that they invite people to come have a party in this house where this crime took place. So the whole movie, in essence, is this um, hot and cold treatment. Like, oh, there's a body in this trunk. People are picking up books off this trunk. People are eating next to this trunk. People are examining this trunk. Are they going to find this body? Um, and Frozen is a lot like that. It doesn't give you the hot and cold treatment necessarily, but it just forces you to stare at three people for an hour and a half. And as they slowly start to kind of chip away at, uh, you know, at first they're not overly worried. They're like, ah, they'll get this up and going in a minute. Because it happens, like you said, uh, it happens earlier in the film. So so they are setting you up. 
you know, with showing the gears and, and showing the activity on the mountain and how the ski lift works and things like that. So they set you up with showing it break down or stop momentarily earlier in the day. I've had that happen before, which I was on a fucking ski lift and it stopped. For did like you shit a yourself? Minutes. I'm super terrified of heights <laughs> and it was probably the worst thing ever. Yeah. You get like super anxiety. This is one of those movies where even if you haven't been in that situation, which apparently you have, but um, if you haven't been in that situation, if you are connecting with these characters, it's very easy to put yourself in that situation and to be um, on edge and and feel the anxiety and feel the sadness for them. Like uh, Lynch just wants to get down so he can try and talk to that girl. You know, they all have these things that they're that they're using to get keep themselves going. She's got to get home and, and feed her dog because no one else will know. No one else will feed this dog. And uh, yeah, your dame will bust down the door if she's barking too much. You mm-hmm. know, people will find out. <laughs> so, in a perfect world, we'd like to believe that that dog survived. Uh, the dog did survive. I was gonna say they were only up there for two days. She's a puppy. Mm. They were up there for about two days. And she ends up in the hospital, like, midday, early morning, that final day. Boy, how long does it take for a dog to get real upset? (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you Googling this? How long does it take a puppy to die? I'm not looking that up. (laughs) (laughs) You can put on some sort of list. God damn, two fucking days. I would hope that the dog, like, started gnawing away at the cupboards and got (laughs) got to the bag of food. Yeah. she called it a puppy. That's some worrying business. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that that was even in the movie. So when I started watching it and she's starting to tear up next to me, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's very well written. And, and just the performances across the board are fantastic. And the one cool thing about Adam Green is if you start to dive into his catalog, you will start to notice um, it is fan service, but it's also, it's for him as well. Like you said, Mount Holliston, um, the guy who runs the ski lift is, uh, from hatchet Two. Kane Hodder running the, uh, fucking whatever the hell you call that thing. Bobcat. The Lynch character's <laughs> favorite movie is E.T. Mm-hmm. I caught that. That was mm-hmm. one of those scenes where I pointed at the screen. I was like, I got that. Yeah. Well, and the fact that he is named Lynch because Joe Lynch, they call him both. Right, his full name is Joe Lynch in the movie. I was like, "What the fuck? You can't do that!" Because that's Adam Green's best friend in the whole entire best friend world. in the whole wide world. There's so many things like that strewn about. Um, I believe I would have to go back and rewatch it. Like I said, it's been a minute since I watched it, but I would almost bet you that at Mount Holliston in that first day, that Sarah Elbert is there, who is uh, the producer for Aeroscope and. Uh, she is the waitress at the diner in Holliston. All of these people, you know, because he has a very tight knit film family. So they're always involved, whether it's, you know, walk on screen for half a second or you got a line of dialogue here. You have a line of dialogue there. And there's something special about that. There's a lot of directors now who kind of create a film family. Um, Tarantino is one. You know, you start to see in these movies that he has a very specific list of people that are always involved. Adam Sandler's got one. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Which I th- I always think that's weird whenever you go and see an Adam Sandler movie and it's literally always the same eight people. Yeah. And even, you know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to 
I don't want to say his name, but <clears throat> Rob Zombie does the same thing. He's got a film family. He's got a wife is what he has. Yeah, Rob Zombie's got to put his wife in I keep everything. talking into my hand. You probably have been noticing whoa, this whoa. whole time. <laughs> Zing zang. But that's something that's really neat and unique when it comes to um, smaller. Well, Tarantino is not a small filmmaker by any means. Um, he's He's transcended. He's the biggest thing in the world. But um, I, I really admire that. I really admire, like, when I make a movie, you don't have to worry about it. You will get a call. You will be involved. Whether you are inmate number four or you are Joe Lynch the lead, whatever. You're going to be involved in this thing that I do. And um, that that's just missing from Hollywood in general. Because Hollywood is just this gross machine that just fucking churns out comic book movies now yeah that's that's weird why why has the why has the hollywood gone this direction i that that is <laughs> that again is a fucking let's talk about the success of the early marvel films, shall we let's lean in real close all right lean let's in. see well edward norton was uh actually that's not even the start robert downey jr's iron man was the true start to the marvel cinematic universe there you go. Followed shortly by Edward Norton's The Incredible Hulk. Hulky Hulk. It was not a bad film. Is that the one where the dogs get big, big Hulk heads? No. That was... That's the Eric Bana one. Yes. Blargan. We don't need to talk about. Right, let's pull away from the <laughs> thing. I enjoyed the first Iron Man. I feel like it was well-deserved that it got a nod in the Incredible Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. And then that nod actually started to mean something. Yeah. And then it started to expand to a great many movies. And then a whole world was born on screen. A world that we only ever saw in the comic books. Much better done in the comic books by DC, if you ask me. Herp, 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 Fucking the Avengers was always a goddamn joke. The Avengers were never taken serious in the comic books. Fucking Aquaman is a fucking dude that talks to fish and he was still taken way more seriously in fucking DC than <laughs> even Captain America in the comic books. And now DC is falling slowly behind by their fucking horrible movies that they're creating. They, they, yeah. They, How they are have doing the it wrong. Turned? <laughs> How have they turned so drastically? I, I don't have an answer for you because I'm not the comic book guy. I'm not... You see, I am. Let's talk about the Future Flash comic book. That's my favorite fucking comic book, Future Flash. Oh, so fucking good. I just, uh, I just want to say one thing real quick before you go on your on your Flash uh, tangent. You know, uh, this is all just just the person that I am when it comes to these films. And again, I get the, a lot of this from Adam Green. Um, when we were younger, before, before you were, I was born, before you were born, you, you young bastard. Um, my, my bad. I'm sorry. You know, uh, something like Jurassic Park, which is still it's a monumental film. It's a film that changed the game. Um, in '93, when I was a kid and I would watch Jurassic Park, I was floored by what was happening on the screen. You have a 30 foot T Rex stomping around, and you know this beautiful marriage between CGI and practical. And then you fast forward a couple years, right? And you get Independence Day. And Independence Day is another one of those movies with practical and CGI married together. But we started to hit this trend in like the mid to late 90s. And then it just spewed over, right? When people realized 
the amount of things they could do with CGI, they didn't stop. Thanks, it just, George Lucas. Yeah, yeah, you fucker. But um, George Lucas is a genius. <laughs> the, the prequels were amazing. It's just it's it's too much. And and what's the line from Jurassic Park? You you son of a bitch. You were so you. What is it? You you something about fucking. Then didn't think you could or whatever and yeah I know where you're going I can't remember it's been so long since what I've is, seen that movie fucking insert that line right yep, there yep we're gonna insert it yeah but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should but that's the truth man movies got away they they got away from the miniatures and all of these crazy things because when you watched Independence Day and they blew up the White House I will never forget it ever just being like holy fuck that's the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life and i would watch independence day over and over and over and over again i was just i couldn't believe what i was seeing and then fast forward armageddon or fast forward to fucking you know even 2012 or whatever any of these bullshit disaster movies and now it's all you know uh, Tower Records is falling over. The fucking Statue of Liberty falls over. But, like, it's so much that when you see it, you're just like, meh. And that goes back to the Frozen thing. Because you're like, people are so used to this just over stimuli of just blah, 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 just flying at you. You can totally see it in the disaster movies that have been coming out the day after tomorrow. But they don't destroy anything. They just cover it and put cg stuff on it Mm -hmm. and then 2012 they they're like we can destroy roads with computers because they have a lot more advanced computer technology they start doing crazy shit and then san andreas Uh, and they're like never even saw that take this even farther we're gonna do all of that times 12 so yeah there's a very clear progression people have seen the world taken out by storms they've seen it broken in half by earthquakes mm-hmm. but have they seen it with Dwayne Johnson right and that's it's just it's disgusting to me the Hollywood machine is disgusting to me and you gotta take it back he says as he's wearing a Lucio Fulci zombie t-shirt hey that it, zombie is disgusting to me it's disgusting <laughs> but you know what it is it's fucking practical I wanna see it fist fight a shark it, well not this <laughs> not zombie, one yet, but a different one will um, and so it, it takes away from movies like Frozen and that could be it, where we're talking about how people watched Frozen and they weren't impressed. Because you got to remember, in 2010, video stores were still a thing. I mean, they were phasing out, but they were still a thing. So just like the heyday of the 80s and the 90s, you could have Adam Green's Frozen right next to some big blockbuster movie. And if people are used to all of this crazy shit happening on screen, them going from a Transformers movie. I don't know if Transformers was a thing in 2010. Yeah, it definitely was. Okay. So them going from that to watching three people sit on a ski lift for an hour and a half, uh, you know, if their brain is conditioned to want all of this shiny bullshit action in their face, then a movie like Frozen isn't going to leave an impact. It's going to do the exact opposite. They're going to be underwhelmed. They're going to be like, fuck this. And then anytime someone brings up the movie, much like my buddy, they'll be like, nope, trash. I'll tell anyone who asks me, it's trash. You know, they're, they're not open. It's funny. The guy that kind of told me about it back in 2011 was like, that movie was amazing. It made me cry. I was like, 
this guy was on the football team. He was a fucking jock and a half. <laughs> and he's like, dude, Frozen made me cry. Hey, yo. Hey, pussy. You want to watch Frozen? <laughs> Don't laugh. What are you doing? I'm sorry. That was good. Oh, watch Frozen. Makes me fucking cry like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not the 2013 one. Fuck that shit. <laughs> God damn Disney ruining my movie. Frozen. The Frozen from Adam. <laughs> yes! Oh, man. <laughs> Duh. Emperor's New Groove reference. Deep cut. Damn, that was good. Uh, so, I decided to bring up all the uh, other movies because I realized we hadn't gone on a tangent. We were far too consistent in oh. talking about Frozen. I was like, this is not normal. We right. have to talk about something different. We normally uh, go in 47 million different directions. That's what happens when you talk about Adam fucking Green and Joe Lynch. That's like, true. If we, if we do an episode on fucking Mayhem, there oh. is no fucking stopping. Because there's so much shit you can talk about in these movies. And like, everything is either a reference or there is a story behind it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I love the the layers of the onion, if you will, of the Adam Green and the Joe Lynch universe. I, I love that everything goes somewhere and means something. Um, that that's just again, it's it's that it's wonderful fan service, but it's also like I'm interweaving my life into into these characters, into this dialogue. Uh, spoiler alert for any of you who haven't seen Victor Crowley, which is another movie that is just it's divided. A lot of people are saying. It's not that good. It takes place all on a fucking wrecked airplane, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the dialogue in that movie, if you go, I mean, Adam was working through some shit. When you watch that movie, it's quite obvious that some of the things that are being said are things that his ex-wife said to him and he works them into the movie. And so if you're just a person who doesn't know Adam Green's personal life and you watch the movie... You just think these characters are being assholes. But if you know who Adam Green is and you know what he's been through over the past four years, even simple throwaway dialogue can make you cry because you know where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of hurt. And it's amazing. Doesn't get the credit he fucking deserves, I'm telling you. God damn it. <laughs> we need to hire this guy. <laughs> Somebody call Adam Green. Have him get in touch with my robot. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. I'll be the go-between between... between adam green and yourself yes adam if you're listening to this podcast which guess what we fucking know you are yes <laughs> that's true all as you ask i know you know who i am <laughs> how do you feel knowing that he knows who you are like in person and as a content creator he's watched your stuff he has seen the progression he knows more than just oh yeah he had that one video where he's in a video store he has seen multiple videos of yours he knows you're the guy with the video store you don't want to put me on the spot like that <laughs> he watches at least has watched content before uh it's extremely emotional uh much like this podcast like i don't know man I, you know we started this whole thing as an excuse to be able to reach horror fans and the movie crypt podcast i'm gonna go ahead and plug adam and joe's podcast literally saved my life so you talk about that podcast and your experience with those podcasts all the time mm -hmm. like just droning through a boring ass work day and breaking the rules putting in your headphones listening to the movie crypt and watching the movie along with them 
Yeah. Um, and you know, you know, unless someone has lived through that, um, it's kind of hard to, to put it in perspective. I mean, I was wasting my fucking life and I hated every minute of it. I never got to see my wife. I never got to see my kids and I would come home and be fucking tired and have to even couldn't sleep. I was so tired. I couldn't sleep. So I would have to take medication to sleep. And then I would have to guzzle down caffeine to stay awake, to do this bullshit job. And, uh, like I was very close to the end. It was one of those things. It was like, I can't do this forever. I am sad. I am defeated. Uh, my good buddy evil who works in the video store with us and is also a content creator with us recommended that I listen to the movie crypt. And so I would, uh, you know, sneak my headphones while I was at work and I would listen to this podcast, uh, and, and try my best to hide that I was listening to this podcast. And there was times I would, I would laugh out loud with them. I would cry with them. And, um, they got me through some really rough times and I owe a lot to Adam and Joe, which is why any chance we get, we pay tribute to them and we talk about them and we think it's very important that people watch their movies and listen to their podcasts. Um, they have like a mantra and it's, it's obvious in a lot of their movies that they, they kind of bring up a lot of this stuff, especially in mayhem. Mayhem doesn't even try to hide it. It ends the movie on that note for you. But, um, it's all about one more day, man. Uh, if you're chasing a dream and and everyone around you is telling you that it's stupid and you're fucking starving, literally, uh, you know, you can't pay the bills, you're asking people for money, you're struggling with everyday real life, you're depressed, you got to ask yourself one, you know, you got to ask yourself, what if I did this for one more day? Is something going to change if I do it for one more day? And that's a really important thing in my life and has been for a very long time now is, you know, each day you take that step towards that goal, no matter what it is, whether it is creating a video store in your house, whether it's creating content, whether it's starting a podcast, just give it one more day and get closer to your goals. Uh, and, and as far as how do I feel about Adam Green knowing who I am? Um, I'm eternally grateful that he would take any time out of his day to watch 10 seconds of a video and know who the fuck I am and know who evil and I are from across the room. It was humbling. It was, um, I can't even put it into words. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me short of getting married and having kids and meeting my robot buddy. <laughs> Everybody always says that, oh, celebrities, they're just people. Adam and Joe are fucking, they're bros. Mm -hmm. Like, they are just fucking dudes chilling. Like, absolutely. They are the most down to fucking earth people that you could ever fucking meet. I mean, aside from, like, the people who are super humbled by their experiences working in the industry, like Kane Hodder and stuff like that, but they are fucking cool dudes and they're willing to just put themselves out there like that always right. going to conventions and stuff and they never charge and that's the uh the other thing about Adam and Joe when we're talking about this film family is Adam and Joe being on the inside of the film industry you know they have a pretty good bullshit detector so 
that's why I feel like their film families are so tightly woven because they know who to stay away from and they know how shifty and shitty the Hollywood machine can be. So stay with the people that you trust and that you love because they aren't going to do you wrong. Look at George Romero creating indie cinema for fucking ever, refusing to work in the Hollywood machine, working out of Pittsburgh, and then doing Land of the Dead for Universal and how much Universal was like, eh, stick my finger in the cookie jar. Eh, eh, eh. Can't do this. Can't say that. Can't be this. Got to have a high quality actor. Got to have Dennis Hopper. Got to have John Leguizamo. Got to do this. Got to do that. Like, I feel like Land of the Dead is just a movie, mm-hmm. which if you don't really know the situation behind it, that doesn't seem like a problem or it doesn't seem like something that should really make sense. Right. But if you watch literally any of his other movies that don't have corporate greed involved their stories right yeah that's the whole thing about the fucking garbage ass hollywood machine um but since we've reached the end of the discussion on frozen now i think it's time for us to get a hold of mr evil dead inks via remote satellite and take a look at some amazon one star reviews All right, Amazon one-star reviews for Frozen. Troy in Elms on June 13th, 2018. One star! Easily the worst movie I have seen. Anyone that has ever skied knows that everyone has a cell phone. Congrats on the first gray wolf sighting in New England since 1993. (laughs) Much less sighting numbers. Two, three, four. I don't know what that's about. Next up, we got Michael E. Warner on July 8th, 2018. One star, silly movie. (laughs) She has a scarf on, and they all have several layers of clothes. Tie clothing together enough to lower yourself six to ten feet so you don't break your leg? (laughs) Like the moron in the movie? (laughs) Problem solved. This movie is about people who have no brains (laughs) and what they would do if stuck on a chairlift. Can't argue that. Me. Jay Walker on June 10th, 2018. One star. Just an awful, unrealistic movie. <laughs> False. Gross. <laughs> Next up, we got Kindle customer. So we'll say Randall Graves on June 26, 2020. One star. Never rooted for them to survive. Wow, rude. <laughs> After the first 20 minutes or so, I was hoping that when they finally ran into trouble, that they would all die. Because each of the characters are so boring and snotty. I won't discuss too many events in the film and ruin anything, but it's tacky. For example, wolves do not behave that way. And who removes the gloves and then falls asleep <laughs> in frigid weather at night? That's a smoke, duh. Me. <laughs> Next up, we got Paul Sifronic on August 29, 2018. One star. Terrible. This is a real sleeper. Nice ski shots. Yeah, sleeper. But not hit. long, agonizing Truth. dialogue. And then long pauses where nothing happens. The wolves were the heroes, <laughs> only they didn't finish the job fast enough. Wow. I want to see them on a ski lift. Hater. Jules O. Gwynn 
on March 12, 2020, one star. I am baffled that this has four stars. <laughs> wow. Well, it's missing four stars, thanks to you, Jules. <laughs> so here I am doing my part to fix this. You cuntish. A terrible single-star review. The review it deserves. Terrible acting. Terrible effects. Terrible storyline. Wolves in New England? <laughs> terrible movie. Don't waste your time. A lot of people talking about the wolves. Mm-hmm. Scott, on June 28, 2018, one star, terrible. Thanks for wasting 20 minutes of my life, even by fast-forwarding. 20 minutes? That's slow fast-forwarding if it took him 20 <laughs> minutes to speed through. That's reel-to-reel. This entire film. <laughs> Next up, we got Joseph on March 11, 2020, one star, very slow. 95% of this movie is people sitting on a lift cha- on a lift chair. Yes. 95% of this movie is people sitting on a lift chair. Correct. The rest is either A, boring, B, disgusting. This movie is a boring <laughs> abortion. Wow. This Next up, abortion. we got P. Tobri, 111, on December 20th, 2019. One star, brutally as bad as actually having to spend 110 minutes on a frozen stopped ski lift. Douche. This movie was worse than a B, bad B movie that combined awful plot with horrible, violent demise of characters. We reviewed the B-movie on the channel. That's true. Oh, wait, TV no. on March 9th, 2020. One star. Couldn't get through it. Bad acting made it too hard to watch. Next up, we got Chris on August 24th, 2018. No one star. Dumb. <laughs> he goes on to say, dumb. Dude. The whole plot is watching them slowly die. I don't want to watch that. Kudos to the actors that were all right. <laughs> yeah. Right, Next kid. up, on uh, March 28, 2020, we have Amazon customers, so we'll name them Ted. Ted says, one star, stupid. Don't watch. <laughs> Douche. Douche is my go-to, I guess. Yeah. And finally, we have Joseph A. Damanadoro. <laughs> Joseph A. Damanadoro. <laughs> Little Joseph A. will just say, on July 14, 2018, one star, let it go. Oh. should I say? Let it go. Yes. (laughs) While the premise of the film makes you want to like it, the details of which the story is executed fail. Wow. The performances are thin, and the way the characters react to their environment seems far-fetched. Bull. I disagree. Julie, on July 15th, 2018, says, One star, terrible, not one single wolf job. What What the fuck does that mean? That is on Urban Dictionary, when a wolf man jerks you off. Oh, all right. On June 9th, 2018, Amazon customer, we'll name them Frederick. He says, One star, no, just (laughs) no. (laughs) This just sucks so bad, I almost... Have no words. <laughs> Almost. But no. That at least two. <laughs> but enough to come post how much you hate it. Dick. This is from Jim B. Jim B. On October 26, 2010. One star. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm a DVD Blu-ray collector. So the fact that this was $10 was the only reason I bought it. I would rather watch Paint and Dry wow. <laughs> to watch that again. I was three-fourths of the way through it. When I said, screw this, skipped all the way to the end, do not waste your time, 
a dollar would be too much. Who the fuck skips to the end of so a movie? Old Jim B would Jim not B. buy this for a dollar. What a dickhead. Thank you, Evil, for those riveting Amazon one-star reviews. And now, it's time. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! Indeed, it is time to play the game. (laughs) What game? I was going to say, what is the game? I beat you to it. Now you got to explain it. That's bullshit. Silly Steve. We're going to play the prop game. Why don't you explain to the folks at home what the prop game is? Prop game. Okay, for those of you at home who are new to our podcast, or if you're just needing a refresher course, what we like to do, this is a game that Evil and I invented way back in the day when we would work conventions and we would sit and be bored out of our fucking skulls in between customers. Um, The prop game is you pick said movie, which in this case today is Frozen. You pick that movie, and you get to decide which prop from said film you would like to take home. What if I want something like Jason's hockey mask? That is off limits. The reason this is the Deep Cut podcast is obviously because we make references to a lot of things that a lot of people, the standard audience, doesn't know. So So I can't have his hockey mask. What if I want the hatchet? Hmm. See, it's close. Area. It's a gray area. But the the object of the game is to pick something that's very strange. If you're a physical media collector, if you're a film prop collector, you only have so much space in your house. So the trick is to pick something weird and obscure from the film. So you can be like, yeah, you see that bolt? That's from whatever movie. Um, I Something significant to the film that is small. It's funny you say the bolt because there's not a whole lot of props in this movie. You could be like, I want the fucking ski pole that he stabs the wolf with or mm-hmm. something like that. I think it'd be fucking funny if he chose the bolt from the <laughs> carriage that they're riding on. But there's another movie that has a much better bolt. <laughs> Which is? The Iron Giant. Ah, you yeah. can buy that bolt 3D printed and it it's fucking kind of cool. That's pretty sweet. So I'm going to let you go first because you picked this movie. So what prop would you take from this movie and why? Parker's helmet's not fun. So it's just <laughs> black. They should have decorated it a little bit. That's really hard. There's not a lot in this movie. Yeah. I'll try a piece of that cardboard pizza, though. Ah, you want a piece of cardboard pizza for your prop. That's pretty sweet. Uh, it probably wouldn't go bad because it's cardboard. It's probably a prop. Um, if I had to choose this, like you said, man, this is tough. There's not a lot of things going on in this movie. Um, part of me really would just want Kane Hodder's, uh, Mount Holliston beanie. Fuck. That was such a better option. (laughs) Oh man. Because, uh, if I wore a Mount Holliston beanie, it would be a double deep cut because it would be like, aha, this is from Frozen, but also Holliston bitches. That is such a better fucking choice. (laughs) I can't believe I missed that. Can I just, for the prop game, can I just bring home Kane Hodder? (laughs) He'll slap you up again. (laughs) (laughs) Slap me so hard. My fucking soul leaves my chest in a waffle house at fucking 2 a.m. (laughs) nothing good ever happens at a waffle house at 2 a.m that's true uh waffle houses are scary dumpy places that's not true have you ever seen dead like me 
No. Mm. But I know you, you've discussed it with me, and you've told me numerous times that I need to watch it. I just haven't done that, because I did just binge Kingdom, which, holy fuck, that's a great show. Uh, I'll give you one little tidbit from Dead Like Me. The Grim Reapers make their home in Waffle Houses. <laughs> uh, in a Yeah, in a Waffle House, that seems pretty true to life. <laughs> Because a lot of people die in Waffle House, I think. That's a scary fucking place. <laughs> sketchy. In Germany, they call it Der Waffle House. <laughs> Der Waffle House. Der Waffle House. Yeah, so so you're going to take the cardboard pizza, <laughs> and I'm going to take Kane Hodder's beanie. 2010, uh, what kind of phone do you think they had in that fucking locker? Ew. Uh, 2007 was, well, I guess it was announced in 2007. 2008 was when the iPhone first came out. Mm. You think that they do they look like they have well I guess they have enough money probably blackberries yeah they have enough money to go on a ski trip no they don't they bribe the guy with 50 bucks and then he ends up swindling an extra 50 out of them (laughs) because they didn't have change I forgot my wallet at my girlfriends forgot their wallet (laughs) yeah that's comes back girlfriends huh sorry yep I love that guy yeah so I think I win the prop game you fuck this week see that's the kind of deep cut like you watch the movie and you're like, man, what the fuck was in that movie? Oh, I want the bolt. And then you're like, guess what? Deep cut, motherfucker. They were wearing customized merchandise. Mm-hmm. And I would gladly wear that. Which, funny, if you follow Adam. I know this whole podcast has turned into a fucking advertisement for Adam Green. But every once in a while, he will do a flash sale on Aeriscope.com Because they'll be like cleaning the studio. And they'll find a box of, oh shit, we found 10 of these Mount Holliston beanies. Fuck, we found Parker's uh, stocking cap. We found the coat. And they'll just sell them. Gone. That's <clears throat> fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, so keep keep an eye out on the Aeriscope website. Yeah, I'm going I'm gonna go bookmark that real quick. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Did you just bookmark that? <laughs> Boom! Fucking Holliston reference, deep cut, deep cut. Uh, and that's how we should end it. Um <laughs> 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 Nope, no more. That's how we ended it. So we'll see you guys in two weeks. Is that what we're doing? We're bi-weekly? Is yeah, that our thing? yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we're bi-weekly podcast. Unless, unless you're watching this on podcast apps and you want to see the next episode early, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash 3B. 3B, 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 3B. Being eaten by a shark, that'd be the worst way to go. Not like, you know, one of those surfers who gets attacked from below and, you know, never sees it coming. Like the, uh, poster for Jaws. Uh, the chick on the Jaws poster was hot. She was? I don't know. She's naked. Naked chicks are hot.